heads for a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I just thank you again this morning for the way your spirit has led in our service here this morning. Thank you for the words that were shared, the songs that we sang, and especially as we think this morning about Jesus coming to this earth to live a life as an example for us to follow and then ultimately to be the sacrifice for our sins. We thank you for that, Lord, and I just pray that your spirit would continue to lead, especially as we Mel, as he shares the word with us, that you give him clarity of mind as he presents your word to us. Help us to have open hearts that the spirit would work through it, through this word this morning. We just pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, greetings in Jesus' name and welcome to each one here. It's good to have everyone here. Special welcome to visitors. There's obviously a few of our families missing, so it's good to have you all here. This is Christmas Day as our country celebrates it as we know it. And uh, I'd like to look at, uh, go way back in scripture as we think of the, the prophecies that came to us that pointed to this. Then the title of the message, How Did They Know? Way back then, how, what evidences, what proof, what clues did they have that would have pointed to this event, to the coming of Jesus? You know, in our day, it's not hard to see how news travels. Um, I read, I'm reading a few blurbs here and there about possibly social media replacing all of the news out, outlets. I can't imagine that happening. But that probably is our most, I don't want to say accurate, but instantaneous source. Anyone can just post whatever you see and have, and it's there for, depending how many followers you have. And so think about that in contrast with their news outlets, if you will, which from my understanding had a person, a runner, would run from here to wherever, big, tall, lean guys that could run really fast, carry the news and tell it verbally. Can you imagine? You know, that's, that's where news started. I mean, that's how it traveled. Basically, person to person. That's it. And yet, uh, in spite of their handicap, if we can use that term, God did uh, <clears throat> give enough of clues, if you will, prophecies that pointed to the coming of Jesus way back, <clears throat> way back since the beginning of time. And I'd like to sort of walk through that and look at some of the Old Testament prophecies and, and maybe give us a bit of an idea of how they did know and how they could know those who were looking, those who were observant, those who were keen to that, could find some answers to that. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to turn to Genesis 3, and that is the first mention that we have of, well, some kind of a need that we had. Uh, this is, of course, the chapter about the fall of man. I'm not going to start way back there, but after man fell, there was a lot of needs, if you will. Things changed drastically. 
And let's, let's read verses, uh, Genesis 3, start verse 8, at verse 8, and I'll read to the end of verse 19 and then make a few comments about that. And this is after they had fell, Adam and Eve had sinned, and they fell, and uh, their relationship was changed immediately. Verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee I was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between Thee and the woman between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. And in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of the life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and to dust shalt thou return. <clears throat> so we see this is the first mention of this concept of a Messiah or a Savior there where God would, um, where we would, uh, where an anointed one of God would come on the earth and we would, and there would be a, uh, an era of, of, of the earth where the earth would be free from the curse and people would live together harmoniously and righteously. You know, God wanted us to live with him in paradise and that's where it started in the Garden of Eden, but after man's sin, of course, we see, see that at the end of this chapter, they were evicted from the Garden and could not partake of the Tree of Life. Think about the changes that came because of that. Uh, we read that in these verses. There was fear. There was shame. There was guilt. The earth was cursed with thorns and thistles and weeds. Man was assigned an authority structure that they hadn't had before. Women now experience pain in childbirth, and they had to work by the sweat of their brow. After this life is over, man will return to the dust of the earth from which he was taken. Life on earth changed drastically after that event. So, see, there was a lot of, there was a, a lot of needs. There was a lot of things that changed that, not necessarily good changes for man, but it did change drastically, and these are just some of them. And this is the first scripture that we see that points forward to it where it makes reference to the, uh, 
the seed of the serpent and the woman's seed, which we saw that on Calvary and, of course, resurrection, where Jesus, being of the seed of a woman, conquered death. That was, that was uh, they're pointing forward to that. There was that scripture pointing towards um, a Messiah or a Savior. And I want to go through and look at some of the other scriptures and the detail. And, of course, we can see all this as we look, in, as we look back, but the accuracy of all of it. Let's look at his, his lineage or his, his heritage. In, in Genesis 22, we were, talk, we were told that he will be a descendant of Abraham. <clears throat> it would be through Abraham's offspring that all nations on the earth will be blessed. And Jesus was really a fulfillment of that, of that prophecy. We also see further that he was from the, the line of Jacob, which would have been Abraham's grandson, Numbers 24, 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the, the children of Sheth. This is a prophecy about some of their enemies, but we saw that, that uh, again, this was prophesied coming from the line of Jacob. He's also going further down the line from the line of Jesse, the father of King David. <coughs> and this is a bit of a shift. We just talked about that this morning in Sunday school, the, uh, the, where, where the, the priests were typically from the tribe of Levi, Jesus was a priest, but he was also a king. He was, of course, from the tribe of Judah. Isaiah 11. These are all, notice, these are all Old Testament scriptures that were there for, um, well, people in their day who would have known and could have seen this. Isaiah 11, 1. We know he is from the line of Jesse, the, the father of King David. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. We would call, not so much a rod, but maybe a sprout. If you ever cut down a tree or saw a tree cut down, and a little sprout grows up out of the stump or next to it, that's the picture that we have here. There would be this little stem or a shoot that grows, grows out, and this would turn into a branch, and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Again, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days shall be saved and Israel shall, in his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Again, seeing all of these scriptures pointing forward. And uh, this is an interesting thing I came across with just recently, taken from 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. This is spoken by Samuel to David. Remember, Samuel was the priest and David served under him. Uh, 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. This is Samuel speaking to David. When thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
Now, I don't know if you remember reading through the judges in the Bible. And that was sort of a dark time in Israel's history. There was typically a, a person that would rule, and of course, his, his sons and his, his lineage, his descendants would come after him. And then there was often some kind of a battle or a war or whatever. And then that king would die, and then the next king would come along, and he'd wipe out all of his descendants as well. And this went on again and again in, in Judges. You read through that. It's kind of a gruesome time, but that's, that was just sort of the way of life back then. This one king and his sons would reign for a while, and the next would come along, and they would just wipe out all the previous kings and all his descendants because they didn't want any, they didn't want to be threatened by his Notice this word forever, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You know, David, <clears throat> we know King David, of course, he had struggles through life. He, he had issues as well, many of them. But his son and his sons and his descendants lived forever and are still living. And I, th I thought that was interesting when I saw that, that word about his kingdom being established forever, unlike the time of the judges, for instance, where that was, in many times, there was just a severance of this king and his descendants. That was the end of it. But not Jesus. His kingdom will live forever. <clears throat> I also want to look at some of the details of his birth. And again, we're still in the Old Testament. We'll get through it eventually. But there is a prophecy from Micah 5.2 it tells us that he was born into the tribe of Judah in the region of Ephrata in the town of Bethlehem. Now, that's pretty specific. Now, I'm not sure uh, we don't know much about Bethlehem, except it seemed to be sort of a low little town. Not a lot happened, small. Uh, not a lot of uh, important people came, came out of that. But you, Bethlehem, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Again, uh, Jesus coming from a small town, as it says here, uh, it was just little among the thousands. I gather, I, I picture just a small little sleepy village where not a lot happened and not a lot of important people came from there. We also have a version Isaiah. He was born of a virgin girl, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall call his name Emmanuel, a very familiar verse that we all know. The name Emmanuel means God with us, God living with us, indicates Jesus as being divine, part of the divine Godhead. God is now or at that time was living with them in person. Interesting scriptures when you think of all that happening. And like I said, the detail that we see here that was prophesied and fulfilled to the T. It also says, and I didn't know this till just recently, Jesus would be worshiped by shepherds and foreign kings. Psalm 72, 9 and 10. They that dwell in the wilderness will bow before him. His enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the Isles will bring presents, and the kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. And I, I thought that was an interesting 
again, an interesting prophecy again, that we we know that that did happen. We're we're still still reading out of the Old Testament. His birth troubled the king. You'll remember that when when uh, when he was born and Herod heard about it through the wise men. That was a, a threat to him. He heard that this king was born and they were going to worship this king and take gifts to him. Kings didn't like to be threatened. Their throne was, that, that, was, that was to be protected and they went to great lengths to protect that, especially by a rival king, especially even if it was just a newborn baby. That king, that birth troubled the king. Uh, and of course we know that King Herod slaughtered a lot of baby boys at that time to prevent that from happening. Jeremiah 31, 15. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, referring to Israel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not, because they were killed. This is a reference to that event where King Herod was troubled and it says all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Of course they were. Um, that was an effort to destroy him, this newborn king. That And a king was a king because of his lineage. That was something you couldn't change, that you couldn't choose that. If you were a direct descendant of a king, you were, I mean, there was a line, of course, that you followed to the throne. King Herod was troubled by this and took drastic measures, of course. And another one, in response to this attempt on the life of Jesus, Joseph was warned in a dream to take Jesus to Egypt. We also have that, Hosea 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, then <clears throat> loved I him and called my son out of Egypt. You remember when Joseph and Mary fled to Egypt? to get away from King Herod, and they were instructed to stay there until they were given instructions by God to come back. After that king died, God said, it's safe to come back, and so they did. Again, a reference to his parents fleeing to Egypt and then coming back again. So you look at all these writings and you marvel at the detail and the accuracy that was given and yet, what are the chances, if I can use that term, very unlikely that these things happened, but they did. They were prophesied <coughs> and they did happen. <coughs> now I'd like to move on to the New, set, New Testament and, and, and take a look at those who actually did find him. You know, he was found of those who were looking for him. Did you ever think about it? We have no record of Jesus appearing to Pilate. Remember that tense trial where he was before Pilate, and I think Pilate proclaimed him innocent like three times? And Pilate was seeking truth, and Jesus said, you know, in, in essence, he was saying, I am truth. And yet, Jesus never appeared to Pilate after the resurrection. He never appeared to Herod. We have no record of him appearing to the chief priests and those who put him through that trial. There is no record of Jesus revealing himself to people like that after the resurrection. 
He only appeared to those who were looking for him, starting with the wise men. They went to great effort and time in their search for him. I, I didn't do a lot of research, but I don't know how many miles they traveled, but they traveled a great distance. And there would be, it's quite commonly thought there was a lot more than three. They would have had a whole group of people traveling with them. Whatever support group they had, whoever that all consisted of. There was a lot of time and effort and people involved in this group of wise men <coughs> that, that were searching for him. I'm going to read just a couple of verses out of Matthew chapter 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And that's a whole new subject I'm not going to get into. What was that star? Why did it appear? What, what was the, was there a natural uh, explanation or occurrence? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't look into that. But these men were guided by that star. And they found him. Also the shepherds. We have record of that too. After they were after the angels revealed to them, they also, I'm going to just read a few verses from that. I know that we, uh, we've already heard that at the program the other night, but I'm going to read it again. Never gets old. Uh, just a couple of verses, Luke 2, verse 15. And it came to pass, this is after the angels appeared to them and announced to them, and, and uh, a whole host of them uh, appeared to them. Verse 15, Luke 2, and it came to pass, as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, <clears throat> Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And it came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered those things which were told them by the shepherds. <clears throat> The shepherds realized that this was of the Lord. Of course, it doesn't, I don't suppose it happens every night where you have an angel, a host of angels appear to them with this announcement. And uh, they were, of course, um, they were at that time where it says they were abiding in the field. They were living outdoors. They were living in the fields, taking care of their, of their sheep when this came to them at night. And we see, too, that the, um, they, as I said, they recognized this as from the Lord. It says, and they came with haste. They hustled off. I don't know what was the rush, probably just an urgency of, of, of seeing this thing that actually is. Is it actually true? We've got to go see for ourselves. And <clears throat> so they did. They hurried off and found this. And, of course, they had a, a couple of clues He'll be in a manger, and he'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes. This is typical in their day, and more so of, of, of poorer families, poorer people. Uh, and wrap them up like this, just, I guess, to give their joint support. I'm not sure what was the theory, but that was the, that was the sign that they would look for. Again, I, I gather that, I think we probably all know, not a lot of babies were born or laid in a manger, but that was what they were to look for, and they found it. 
But they had to go. They had to do a search for it. And I don't know <laughs> what clue they had, which end of town, I don't know. But they found it. <clears throat> Again, they were looking for him and found him. Jesus appeared to those who were searching for him. Later on in that same chapter, Simeon and Anna, these elderly, two elderly people that were <clears throat> serving God faithfully, meanwhile, were expecting this, were anticipating this, were looking for this. And um, verse 25, we have the account of Simeon. And there was, behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed, revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, there's a lot of interesting thoughts in those couple of verses. Somehow, he was entombed with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit revealed these things to him. Now, this is before Pentecost. The Spirit did not dwell in all believers as he does now. But Simeon was entombed with the Lord, and the Spirit revealed these things to him. And he was waiting and living for that day when he would actually see Jesus uh, uh, born, the, the, the Christ child. We also have Anna in verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. So she was a widow most of her life. Um, and so here again, she served God, verse 37, with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. <clears throat> so these two people also were looking for him and found him. And you know, today he is still found by those who look for him. Jesus does not typically, I guess with the exception of Paul, that's not very common. Not many people have that uh, Damascus Road experience like Paul did. Uh, but Jesus still is found by those who look for him. And now bringing that up today, how do we know? We have a pretty good idea of how they knew back then. How do we know today? <clears throat> how can we know that Jesus actually did come and that the prophecies that concern him in the future will come true? How do we know he will again return again to receive us unto himself? Um, I'm going to read a, a, just a verse or two from Second Peter. And this is written by Peter, and the context here is he's referring back to that experience that they had on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Peter, James, and John were with Jesus and saw Jesus transformed in his glorified body. I'm not going to go back to that, but we get the picture of him just glowing and dazzling and just bright, a bright light. Peter saw this with his own eyes. Peter, James, and John witnessed this. Second Peter 1, verse 17 says, 
For we received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice of him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I well please. Remember, God said that about his son and the three disciples heard God speak those words. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We also have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> now, Peter mentions this as I can imagine the pinnacle in his life, in his uh, earthly walk with Jesus. This would certainly have been a highlight. We would probably think that would just carry you through forever. But Peter said that, that pales in comparison compared to the written word that we have and that he did at the time as well. He calls the written word a more sure word than that vision than that experience, we also have that same sure word of prophecy. <clears throat> we, all, we also have the Holy Spirit living within us, and John Harold made reference to that. Thank you for that. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. This is speaking... Paul writing to the Corinthians. And if you do a little research in Corinthians, the church of Corinth was not a model church. Don't pattern your life or your church after that. They had a lot of issues, a lot of bad things going on. And yet, in spite of that, Paul tells them the Holy Spirit is living within you personally. Be careful you do not defile that temple of God because God is living in that temple. <clears throat> also, he will guide us into all truth. I mentioned something previously about Pilate wanting to know the truth. And we all know that the truth is a bit hard to come by nowadays. Um, but Jesus said that his spirit will guide us into all truth. John 16, 3, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak he will show you things to come. This is Jesus making reference to the Holy Spirit that, that he was about, that God was about to send on, on the, 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 his believers and us as well. This is how we know. He will guide us into all truth. And if you combine the sure word of prophecy with the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth, we certainly have a good path forward and can be assured of knowing the truth and living the truth. And by the way, if you haven't picked up your Bible reading schedule, there's a few left. That's a good place to start. Read this sure word of prophecy. There is a schedule that would get you through reading from cover to cover in a year. Try it sometime because according to Peter, this is really a sure word of prophecy that was that was given to us. So I'd like to close with that. And again, thank you for your prayers. We do certainly got a good idea of how they knew 
And I think certainly we, we have enough of resources to help us know as well. May God bless you as you go forth in this Christmas season. Let's stand for a prayer, and then I'll ask Chad to lead us in a dismissal song. Shall we stand? Lord, we thank you for this morning again. Thank you for this sure word of prophecy that you have given to us. Thank you for the testimony of the prophets. You have revealed to them these truths. They have faithfully written them down for us to uh, live by. Thank you that even way back in the beginning of time, <clears throat> you have revealed this to us, the need for a Messiah, a Savior, as we see all the changes that took place on the earth as a result of sin. But thank you, Lord, that you have a plan to redeem us and the earth back to you someday. We pray that you would help us as we, as we go from here, that we'd be mindful of this. Thank you for the birth of Jesus, but also even beyond that, his death and resurrection and the shed blood on Calvary for our sins. We pray that you would help us to reach out and claim this truth and might we accept you into our lives and that your Holy Spirit would con continue to guide us into all truth. So we pray now your, your blessing as we part from here. May we be a blessing to one another as we again are reminded of this Christmas season, this wonderful treasure, this valuable gift that you have given to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.